computer. This is data. I'm an android. I'm a... basketball? I was processing all of the information. Processing. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Rangers pick basketball? Analytics was crap. Does not compute. Just because you got good stats doesn't mean you're a good team. Hello, and welcome back to the Lakers Exceptionalism Podcast. My name is Tom Z, joined as always by Tim, a.k.a. Cranchus McBasketball. And Tim, there's been a lot of news uh, about the Lakers and the rest of the league. If I can just fire off a couple of fast things, see what you want to pick out from this. Uh, Patrick Beverly threw a party for himself uh, (laughs) involving a crown. And uh, so there's one. Um, the Phoenix Suns remain a terrible franchise that you should feel bad rooting for. That feels great for us. I love that for us. Uh, and also the Lakers signed Dennis Schroeder. A lot of shit happened this week. Yeah, lots, lots went on. I'd say not nothing bad from a Lakers standpoint. Like I don't feel bad about anything, which is nice. I feel like a lot of the news over the past couple of months is like, oh, that's that's not good. Um, so yeah, I I don't know. Seeing other franchises being held accountable or individuals within franchises, hopefully more accountability than, than what has been, uh, doled out so far, but, uh, public pressure, sponsored pressure. I I think they'll probably sort that situation out in the next little bit, but yeah, Dunn Shooter's a Laker. Wasn't expecting that. It makes sense. It makes sense from a basketball standpoint. I, I don't know. There were so many grumblings about like him not getting along with guys on the team that I was not expecting them to go that route. But yeah, they're in kind of a desperate situation. So take the so shot. So is he. So is he. Yeah. Not on the team. You know. Mm-hmm. Apparently he looked good in those those games overseas. I didn't get a chance to watch that film. That film's not on Synergy. So I don't I didn't see that. But, you know, shot. I think 32% on threes on a shorter line. I'm sure most of them are probably pull-ups, so it's not not as bad. But I, I'm hoping he's who he was when the Lakers last saw him because looking at his data, so I was like, oh, you know, they got him. Cool. Like, I see where he fits, some good point-of-attack defense, some ball handling, a little bit of playmaking. Like, I, you know, he's got his weaknesses, but that can work. And then I went and I looked at what he did last year. In mostly Boston, and then I think like twenty percent of his minutes were in Houston, and it was not good. Yeah. Um, I haven't. I will admit to not having watched a ton of that, but the Boston people didn't like him. Uh, the team got much much better as soon as he left. Yeah. Uh, he. I. I don't think he was a good fit with their scheme defensively. They. They want to switch everything, and he was like the guy that couldn't fit that. So once he left, all of a sudden it like raised the whole defense a bit in, in a sort of unique way that wasn't really his fault, but it was still his fault. Um, offensively, he was used as a stationary shooter this most recent year, which is bananas to me. That's a really bizarre way to use him. So obviously more can be, you know, he can produce more than, than he did, but despite both of those things, the more granular data also didn't look very good. So I'm, you know, a little iffy on it, but you know, it's worth a dart throw. And if he is the guy that we last saw in a Laker Jersey, I like the depth. It's good depth. Yeah, I'll give you that. And this, you know, we're going to talk about rotations coming up here in a little bit. Um, it's a mess there in the backcourt with so many solid NBA players. Like, I I, don't, I think Dennis Schroeder is still probably an NBA player, 
you know, mm-hmm. he has fallen off pretty significantly and I'm not sure last season could have gone worse for him um, outside of like a, a bad injury or anything like that. You know, he, he was really, yeah, did not fit in Boston and um, he does still do things well on the court, like putting pressure on the rim. And, you know, I still think he can be okay at the point of attack defensively with some good rim protection. Um, I'm welcoming of it considering there's no risk. They had that extra roster spot from the trade recently. So bring him into camp, you know, figure it out. And you never know. It gives you more uh, option ability to send Russ home, really, if if that's something you want to do. You have more minutes. You can't sit there and say, oh, we have to play, you know, Scottie Pippen Jr. just because we've set one of our, you know, main minutes at the guard position home. Um, no, you have a viable NBA player in the, as a backup option. And this makes that, you know, this is like the bad enough for Russ, Right. This is kind of how mm-hmm. I thought of it when they signed. They're like, oh, now they actually have an option to like get out of this as an alternative. Yeah. Yeah. You were texting me about that. I, I totally agree. It's I don't think you should look at I don't think people should look at this just as like, oh, well, the team already has a bunch of guards. Why grab another guard? Understand the context of they've been trying to trade Russ along with trading Russ. None is a piece that might have some value to teams that maybe on the way out. So that could be one or two guards out of the rotation, in which case you would need more. And if they aren't, if they don't manage a trade and they go into the season, there's already like, they should already be, be, uh, they should be preparing in case they need to send Russ home because what we saw from him last year, apparently in workouts so far this year, hasn't been, you know, lighting the world on fire. So if they try to, you know, get him to come off the bench and he he won't um, or he does and it's still not good and they just keep shrinking and shrinking his minutes, at some point they're going to need to perhaps take him out of the rotation altogether. And if they do that, the big thing that you're losing there is, is playmaking and ball handling. Um, this team has some guards, but they have guys who aren't really point guard types. So adding him gives them, like you said, that Batna. So it's, I guess, a weird way to use the the phrase, the best alternative to a negotiated agreement, but it's your backup plan to if you do send Russ home. So in that way, I I like the application. I like tying it together. Agreement is the contract that you have to fucking abide by. (laughs) Yeah, because it's like, hey, Russ, this is the role we have for you. And he said, no, I don't want to do it. And then you either have to send him home or give him what he wants. And this, if you are to send him home, you have a better backup plan. It's not, all right, well, uh, okay, Kendrick, none of you even play basketball in a couple years. You're the point guard now. (laughs) Your playmaking wasn't great to start with. You're the point guard. Or Austin Reeves, you played lead guard in college, right? Uh, Like, I like those guys. I like those guys even better in roles that better fit their skill sets. And this allows the Lakers to keep guys slotted correctly offensively and defensively and insert a guy like Schroeder to be able to proxy in a way a lot of what Russ brought to the team. They're similar styles of player, just like I see Lonnie Walker as a THT style of player Um, or I see uh, Patrick Beverly or Austin Reeves as similar styles of player in a way where they're kind of like some three in defense more off ball guard types um, that, you know, can do a little bit on ball, but you have uh, a couple duos of players. Um, I mean, TSG is not on the team anymore, but 
I think this allows you to slot guys properly. So that makes sense. You're in good spot if you do make an in-season trade, because I think that can still happen if the Lakers are trying to talk with Charlotte or talk with Indiana and those teams start real poor to the season. And then they decide, all right, you know what? We thought we were going to give this a try. Uh, it turns out that Miles Turner doesn't like playing with Tyrese Halliburton and he we know he's not going to resign here. So let's just cut bait and get what we can for him. In a situation like that, maybe we can get an, an early to you know mid-early season trade. We don't have to wait until the trade deadline. If the Lakers wait till the trade deadline to make a move to be a good team, it's going to be too late in the season. To from a from a standing standpoint, and then also from a like give yourself time to work through the kinks with the new guys. So this you know keeps the window open for an early season trade without you needing to get back playmaking and ball handling. So I, I, I like it from that perspective as well. Okay, so. Uh, today we're going to talk a lot about rotations. It's really difficult at this point in time with so much uncertainty. So I, I guess I'll explain it when I get to my rotation. It's not a real rotation that's going to happen, I guess, is how I would frame mine. It's, it's <laughs> No? <laughs> no, it's not. Okay. It's not like a real possibility, but not because they can't actually play these guys at the same time. But for whatever reason, you know, I don't have Russ starting. I have... You know, Patrick Beverly playing like 27 minutes. It's not it looks more like a 2K lineup, but it, it was a struggle to put put together, a, you know, 48 minutes of, of competent, you know, identity basketball for this team. Um, to So what, what would you say were the most difficult parts of putting together this rotation? Was it deciding between a couple guys? Was it trying to keep certain players away from each other or put certain duos together? Was it spacing, defense, playmaking? Like where were the, you know, it's often easy for people not actually putting these together. Like, you know, you and me talking Mm -hmm. about what this rotation could look like a couple days ago, a week ago, two weeks ago. It's easier to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll figure it out. I'm sure the pieces fit together. It's much harder to do once you're actually trying to fit the pieces together. Yeah. So what were those those parts that, you know, the puzzle pieces, you've really had to kind of squeeze them in to make it work? Yeah, it was two things. And it is it is like a puzzle, like you say, where you you adjust something and then all of a sudden you look to the right and some other, some other thing is completely out of whack. And, and mm-hmm. those two things were spacing and defense um, for me. It was really difficult to you know, surround Russell Westbrook in any a meaningful amount of time. And I only gave him like 12 minutes with a decent spacing and defense combination that made sense with like Lonnie Walker playing the three. It's just, you know, you can put Troy Brown in there, but then there's like no shooting. There's no, there's so many, you know, anti-gravity players on the court that, you know, even if these guys are good at getting into the rim, it's, it's all out the window because there's just no shooting. Um, and I guess struggling with how to balance the two centers, um, I, I do have both of them in the lineup because I think it's practical to try and not expect AD to play the five like as much as he has in the past. And, you know, like the Dwight JaVale kind of combination. Um, but it, it really I'm I was guided in this rotation by these Mark Stein tweets. You're your Mark Stein's, you know, Substack 
where he was talking about how LA views their guard kind of wing position, which is really interesting. I have pulled up right here. He says, quote, with Westbrook poised to remain a Laker when new coach Darvin Ham opens his first day of, tra- day of training camp as LA's new head coach, sources say Beverly is regarded as internally by the club as a three and D and not as a point guard at this stage of his career. Lakers, in other words, see Westbrook and Schroeder as their point guards with Beverly, Nunn, Reeves, and Lonnie Walker as twos and threes. Um, some interesting kind of subtleties in there with Beverly kind of guarding up, right? We've seen him most recently playing guard, uh, and, and being like one of those off guard, you know, guards that you've described like a KCP and a Caruso, similar kind of probably shot profile, getting open shots, playing defense is going to be your, your main, you know, um, responsibility. Mm -hmm. And Austin Reeves, God bless him is, is too small for three in most situations. Um, I can see him maybe as a small ball three when another team has like, you know, somebody like uh, Jordan Poole or something like that, where they're trying to go really fast and, and light with their, their bench lineups. But it, Kendrick Nunn, you know, hit or miss on t- guarding two. So I think there's some situations where he's not going to be able to guard Jalen Brown. You know, when Jalen Brown leaves bench units or there's a lot of guys where I'm worried about who's guarding them on this team. And the best option is usually LeBron. Or do you want to play Troy Brown just to play defense on wings? So I don't know where Troy Brown lands in the rotation, but I don't have him in. And we'll get more, you know, broad on this. But I guess in the backcourt, Tim, how do you like backcourt wing area? Like, what do you view differently from like the Lakers on this one? So here's, I think, here are the, the skill sets that I've been looking at. So from a playmaking standpoint, I think I agree with the Lakers that Russ and Schroeder are more their point guard types. They're their primary ball handlers. And that Nunn, Beverly, and Walker are more shooting guard, secondary playmakers. I'd say Brown and Reeves are more ball movers than secondary playmakers. I think Reeves has the potential to be more of a secondary playmaker. We just haven't quite seen it as much at the NBA level. Um, from a pick and roll standpoint, because that's an important thing in today's NBA, I like none as a pick and roll scorer, not as hot as a passer. Schroeder, Walker, and Russ can be good in ball screens if they're not facing drop coverage, which has been a real big problem for the Lakers in the past, but better scheme can help overcome that. Um, we've talked a lot in the scheme course that I've done about like how to beat certain coverages. You can do those things with these guys or certain certain ones of those things with these guys. Um, Brown and Reeves, not really heavy pick and roll guys. Beverly did some last year. I don't love it. I'd rather stay away from it. So when I'm thinking about like who to have on court, I think you want to have like one of Russ or Schroeder, I guess, or LeBron. One plus of those three on court at the same time uh, for ball handling, playmaking. And then I want one or more of Nunn, Beverly, and Reeves on court together for more spacing. Um, and I think it's fairly easy to, to do that. But then you get to the defense part. And I think that's where I am a little bit different from how the Lakers are looking at these guys. If Beverly were a small forward, he would be the smallest small forward in the basketball index database. He would be in the second percentile for weight. Um, he would be the smallest guy. He's 6'1". I'm taller than him. I'm taller than him. I'm taller than Kendrick Nunn or about the same height. I'm taller than Dennis Schroeder. You can't have these guys out there. Like at the same time, you're just going to get murdered. Like it, it, it won't work. So 
from a role standpoint, or I guess on defense, what I look at is like, how are you on ball against guards? How are you on ball against wings? How good is chaser defense? Um, I think on ball against guards, Beverly and Russ, they're good. They're very good to very good. Beverly, he's, you know, had some fallbacks, but at the point of attack, I like both of them. Schroeder before this most recent year was also a pretty good point of attack defender. This past year, not so hot, but you know, we don't know what to make of that. Uh, Kendrick Nunn is fine at the point of attack. Don't love him. Don't hate him. He's a little bit underrated because he was a guy just like Schroeder this past year. Um, Nunn in Miami, he wasn't really a switch guy and they like to switch. So he didn't fit all that well with what, what they wanted to do. Um, so I think people underrate him a bit because of that, but Nunn is fine at the point of attack. Walker and Russ, um, not so good there. Brown is too slow to defend at the point of attack. But then when it comes to like chaser defense, I like Reeves. He grades out well. He's got good technique. Schroeder, again, before last year was good. So Schroeder, if we get old Schroeder, he can be a guy you can have at the point of attack or a chaser. He's just a little undersized. Walker, he graded out decently as a chaser. He's got good length, gets around screens fairly well. Russ and Brown, Beverly and Nunn are four guys that as chasers didn't do so hot. So taking that, advising how I'd use guys, I think for Nunn, I'm okay with him at the point of attack. He's undersized elsewhere. Uh, Beverly, good point of attack. And I have him always at the point of attack when he's in the game for my lineups. I don't have him defending wings. Um, Reeves, he's kind of your Swiss army knife. And because you can play him as a point of attack defender, a chaser or a wing stopper, even though he'll be undersized as a wing stopper, if he has indeed added like 15 pounds of muscle this, this offseason, he's around the right weight, but his height is, is just a little short for a wing stop, stopper. So he'll be undersized, but I think, you know, certainly less so than Patrick Beverly. Um, Reeves is that versatile piece that he's the queen on the defensive chessboard for the Lakers backcourt. So he's going to be able to play a lot partially because of that. And I like how he fits with any combo of these other guys. Schroeder, I'm good with at the point of attack. He's a small chaser, but has good technique. I'm okay there. Walker, if you play him. Chaser, I'm okay with. He's been used as a low activity defender this most recent year. Um, Russ, he was a helper this most recent year. He's way too short to be effective as that. Um, and he's someone that I could see as a low activity defender as well. And then with Brown, I think wing stopper or maybe chaser. So I don't know. I, I, I'm digging in a lot to specific skill sets here. But then when we look at like wing defense, I was able to grab some data from, from a source of uh, second spectrum access, looking at how these guys have defended wing-sized players in the past. Troy Brown Jr. did very well against them. And he's actually the right height, the right weight to be a, a wing stopper. So that to me is interesting. He's the right size for a small forward. I think he should be in consideration. Apparently he hasn't, he, you know, he's not currently top of mind for the Lakers. And I know he's pretty limited offensively, but if he's knocking his threes down, it's kind of like, Kent Bazemore last year. If the threes are falling, he should be able, able to have a tiny role on offense and be useful on defense. Um, Reeves actually graded up pretty well. He was good against uh, wings as an ISO defender. Not so well were, uh, I mean, Swider's bad. We don't have data on him, but he's he's not going to be great there. None's too small. Walker and Russ did not grade out well um, against wings. And then JTA, Beverly, and LeBron were all like, below average to average-ish. So I don't I don't love any of the three of them as like wing stoppers, but I'm okay. Like Braun and JTA, they rotate, rotate well. I'm okay with them as small forwards in general being helpers. But I think Trey Brown Jr. And, and Austin Reeves are the guys. If I need a wing stopper, I'm probably going to go to them first, I guess, even though I don't, even though I know Reeves is, is undersized. 
That's so that's how I'm approaching it. I'd rather keep Beverly at the point of attack. He's been like tremendously more effective guarding smaller players in isolation than he has been guarding bigger players. And he's he's six one. So it you know, the logic tracks. I know he did well, or he's he was very noisy defending like Kevin Durant all in his face. Katie doesn't get to the rim like ever. So that's one where if you are in his business, it makes it hard for him to to operate with his pull-ups and his step backs versus other wing scores, Beverly has not done well. So I don't I don't want to overreact overreact to like one specific incident that I know has stuck in people's minds a lot. Um, yeah, that's all great, great stuff to think about. Um, I really like the part where you're like, you know, Lonnie Walker is, excuse me, Troy Brown, excuse me, sorry. He's going to get a shot because of what he could provide if he doesn't hurt you too much on offense. Mm -hmm. Um, like they need what he could bring if he can elevate into the role a little bit better. Um, and I, I agree. Austin Reeves, like I have him on my sheet as like a point guard, a small forward, different points in the game. And I, I really more went by who I think they're going to guard. Um, I like Austin at the point of attack a lot. I think he's smart, which is important at that position to be able to pass off to another high IQ player and like Patrick Beverly. So that's Steve peak. That's my starting backcourt. It's Patrick Beverly and Austin Reeves. Um, and I, I agree though, that if, if you need to push Austin to three, you can, but a whole season of that is really taxing. Um, mm -hmm. not night after night going in at a physical disadvantage is tough and we're going to need a lot from him because of what he can do in so many different ways. And I know he's a gamer. Um, he's going to go hard. And that's going to get you hurt, too. Just nicks and bumps and bruises and sprained wrists and dislocated thumbs and tweaked ankles. And it adds up. And, you know, he's he's very going to be very important if this team's going anywhere. So, yeah, that's just that's why you think you need Brown so much, because JTA is more of a four, in my opinion, mm -hmm. um, as far as defensively and like if Brown can shoot decently, decently, um, he's definitely going to get minutes. But as of right now, it's hard to find him because I can't see them benching Lonnie Walker right out the gate. Yeah, I think Lonnie's going to get a shot. I think Lonnie's going to get a shot over Troy Brown, potentially, if they are looking for small forward minutes and they don't stick Reeves there or they realize Beverly's too small to do that. I think that is Walker's in. I, I think Walker's in would be more as like a backup three more than a a two or a one on this team, just given the amount of guys that they have and like where defensively he could make some sense. So I don't I don't love it. I don't think that'll be how the season, you know, after 20, 30, 40 games, I, I think they'll probably get to the right answers. And this is a situation that can certainly develop over time. But as of right now, you got to assume the guy there's spent the MLE on is going to get a shot, even if I, I certainly don't think he's he's one of the top six guys in that guard rotation. Um, I don't know how you feel about him, but I I struggle to see at least what he's put on tape in the past. It, that guy isn't the guy that I think is going to beat out these other players, but that's what camp's for. Like my head tells me, yeah, he you should probably try Trey Brown, I think, first, but yeah, like you said, what the money tells you is Lonnie Walker. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. The asset 
power, you know, what you invested versus what you're expecting back. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah. One more thing with the, with the wing situation, because I, I know this team has a lot of guards. I know people are concerned about, like, who will the Lakers use to defend Kawhi or Brandon Ingram? When you look at the players in the league who are like on ball shot creating scoring like twos threes and fours that have been guarded by small forwards in the west you have Kawhi and pg who are on the same team um you have brandon ingram you have andrew wiggins and that's it <laughs> that, that that's it so it's one two three four guys three teams total you can make the argument that against the the Clippers, like you can stick AD on Kawhi. You can probably be fine with Reeves on Paul George. He's not really like a power player. He's more of a, a finesse movement kind of guy. Um, and you could stick LeBron on Nick Batum or whoever. Like they'll, I'm not super worried about that. Um, Wiggins isn't, you know, a tremendous on-ball scorer, at least he hasn't been and if if what the Warriors offense is is like them going with you know Wiggins ISO instead of what they normally do I'm okay with that um and it's like who else are you gonna like if, you, if you're playing maybe like LeBron at the three who else are you gonna have in guard you're gonna have guard Clay Thompson like I'm not as worried about that so uh, most of these guys like I'm not super worried about and looking at the data on like I'll use LeBron for example he's been a three four four three for the past five seasons um, this most recent season, he played center way more often. He guarded centers more than twice as often, twice as often as he has in previous years. But looking at those five years of LeBron data, he's guarded shot creators between eight and 13% of the time on defense. That's not much. And that's because, you know, while those guys stick out to us, they're not who you're playing on a day-to-day -day basis. Most teams don't have that guy where you're like, oh no, we don't want LeBron guarding him. Um, so I am much more willing to throw LeBron and JTA in at small forward minutes and allow the guards to be guards because on a day-to-day -day basis, you don't have to necessarily deploy a game plan where you have a wing stopper on the court for 20, 30 or 40 minutes or something like that. So that to me was, it was eye-opening once I dug in and saw like, all right, well, like how often does this really matter? It, it wasn't all that much. So that makes me feel a little bit better about the lack of wing depth. It's going to pop up in the playoffs if you play certain teams. Um, but it's not something that I think going into game one, you have to feel awful about the Lakers season because they don't have. No, man. It's a wing league. It's like, I think you underrate the difference between Jeremy Grant and Stanley Johnson. You know as... what I mean? As in like... Jeremy Grant's a solid player. And mm -hmm. even though Jeremy Grant isn't going to, you know, like beat you by himself necessarily, if you don't night in, night out, have a guy on the wing who can just physically match up, it will make, you know, average to below average players more dangerous against your defense. I, I guess if it's your weakness one night yeah. in, night out, and it's a general strength throughout the league or a point of uh, focus mm -hmm. and you're weak there. It's a, it's just a war of attrition. I could see that. I guess my, from my perspective, I'd prefer to keep, like, I, I don't want to play small unless it makes sense. And we can talk about this later, but I, I think in most cases for this team, as long as Bryant's hitting his threes, maybe Jones has some three point game. I'd rather have AD at the four. Cause I'd rather have mo like two rim protectors on the court 
And then I don't feel bad about having Juan Toscano Anderson or LeBron James as my three, knowing that they're an okay wing defender, not great, but around average, but they're really good rotating defenders. Um, LeBron, when he's engaged, he, you know, he'll take some plays off. I'm good with good point of attack defense, which I think this team will have good rim protection and then good rotating from the wings rather than playing Beverly or Reeves at the three to address on ball wing defense and make myself in general be much smaller and hurt my, hurt me on the boards, hurt me from a rotation standpoint. I'd rather have Juan Toscano Anderson, you know, tagging a role man than Pat Beverly. Um, those sorts of things. I'd rather have general size, good rib protection and point of attack defense than really focus in on that on-ball defense skill at the wing position. So maybe I shouldn't say it's not a problem. I'd say with the current roster of players, I'm not going to sacrifice in other areas to make this you know defense a single issue thing, even though that single issue doesn't pop up every single night. Uh, that's Does that fair. make sense? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just... You know, it's such a, a wing driven league these days. Um, you know, I I I see what you're saying though. It's it's less of a single person's burden than a team concept that you know Lakers would I agree with all of the things you laid out with like I have a uh pretty much yeah, two rim protector or help guys on the court at all times in my rotation, and oftentimes mm -hmm. it's three. And I really tried – there's one lineup that I hate kind of in retrospect, but <laughs> it's it's like, you know, it is what it is. But I agree. Yep. I use both centers. I use AD at the five. It, and this is not something I I did actually, but I, I tried. I, I think there's a non-zero chance we see a decent amount of LeBron at the five oh, uh, no. in some ways. <laughs> no, it's going to be that, man. I don't awful. But – if you if Juan Toscano Anderson goes down for two weeks or Anthony Davis, which he's known to do sometimes, it's what it's the Wenyan Gabriel show. And then, you know, are you going to call up Jay Huff or are you going to play like a LeBron in like four guards because you have like seven guards or, you know, I, I think you, you have to play Gabriel at that point. OK, I'm just because yeah. your fives, the other like the uh, Bryant and Jones, they can't play down uh, mm -hmm. and. The other guys on your roster, like Trey Brown can't play power forward. Austin Reeves can't play power forward. LeBron is going to have to be a 3-4, and he'll fill some of those minutes. You can move some guards up to play the three. I don't know. I don't see a world where LeBron's playing center unless two of Anthony Davis, Damian Jones, and uh, um, what's his name? Bryant go down. That, that's the only way I see LeBron playing center. I, see, I can see LeBron playing a lot of power forward. But I don't I don't think he's going to play all that much center unless, you know, two of those three guys go down. But so uh, I'm glad you bring up positions. I think there are three to me position battles that we're kind of guessing right now based off of reading tea leaves, based off of reporting, based off of rumbling non-publicly. We heard like Zach Lowe say that he thinks Kendrick Nunn and Damian Jones might start. We heard Jovan Buha say uh, he thought – Reeves and Bryant would start pre-Beverly trade. And then after the Beverly trade, it was, um, who was it? Uh, Beverly and Bryant. So uh, Ev instead of Reeves. Um, my, from my perspective, we don't, we don't know. They haven't even had LeBron's training camp, training camp, let alone the actual training camp. So I think there are 80 and LeBron are locked in starters. And then Jones versus Bryant, I think could be a real camp battle. Um, 
Reeves versus Beverly versus, I guess, Walker at the shooting guard position, I think it's a real battle. And then at the point guard position, Russ versus Schroeder potentially versus maybe none. Um, none could potentially be in that shooting guard hunt as well. I think there are like legitimate camp battles open for this team. And like, I, I know, I mean, just following like football and, you know, college training camp and stuff like some teams, they're like, we know who the starters are and that's it. Other teams, it's like every position's open and you have to compete and you have to really bring it in, in every practice, every training camp. And it sometimes helps elevate the roster. Other times it pulls it apart. I think this is going to be one of those rosters where they say, you know, this is what we have. We need to make the most of it. And everyone is going to get a shot and you're going to see guys really going at it. Um, training camp, other training camp, and then in preseason. And I think the cream will rise to the top. I don't necessarily think this team is going to play politics and play Russ more than they think he should for whatever reason, or play uh, Kendrick Nunn or Lonnie Walker because they've invested more in them than they think they should. I think and from what we've heard, they've given Darvin Ham free reign to to make his own decisions. And I think they have to, because if they blow the first 20 games of the season, you know, not playing their best players, it, it's going to really hurt them down the line. Uh, that's a great setup uh, to consider as well. Um, sorry, there's an ice cream truck right outside my window right now. If you guys can hear <laughs> No worries. Uh, so let's take a quick break, Tim, and we'll come back and talk more like in depth about our rotations we built. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. All right, and we're back. Um, Tim, I'm going to throw my rotation at you first because I've been kind of teasing it. Um, I'm not going to tell you guys every minute block, but I'm going to go over some of the most played rotations, some of the theories and kind of ideas that I was, you know, who I'm starting, who I'm closing. What's up? Did you take a – are you looking at the, the spreadsheet right now or do you have yeah. a picture of it? Okay, so okay. – I'm on the um, rotation tool copy eight. All right. I'm looking at it as well. I think this will be easier for me to. <laughs> yes, absolutely. To follow. Okay. So walk um, us through this, Tom. 
Okay, so I have an 11 man rotation, which is absolutely totally normal. Nothing to see here. For Milwaukee, it's been a somewhat normal thing. They are a team, I think Darvin Ham's going to run a 10 or 11 man rotation, maybe 11 to start the year. I wouldn't be surprised by that. And this, this is the same team that in the past is like, not leaned on their best players to play heavy minutes. So I don't know how much of that is Budenholzer versus Ham, but don't be surprised, I'll say, if you see an 11-man rotation and you see LeBron and AD playing less minutes than we've seen them play in the past. Okay, interesting. I didn't consider that. Uh, I felt stupid because this is impractical, but this is probably also not realistic that you know Russell Westbrook is not starting in my lineup. I have Austin Reeves and Patrick Beverly in the backcourt. Uh, with LeBron, AD, and Damian Jones. And I was going to ask, I guess I'll bring this up. I had Damian Jones winning the battle, um, mostly for defense. So between the Hmm. two, in that camp battle of Damian Jones and Thomas Bryant, what do you think will be like the make or break trait from each for Darvin Ham? I think it'll depend on, I think, three things. Three major things. The first would be shooting. Is Bryant the three-point shooter a lot of people are hoping he could be and and he has flashed and is Jones not? Is Bryant, the data hasn't fully bought into his three-point shot, is he not a three-point shooter? If they're on the same level, either they're both shooting well or neither of them are shooting well, I think that leans in Jones' favor. If Bryant's a better shooter than Jones, I think that leans in his favor. So that's one factor. The other factor is defense. I like Jones better as a defender than Bryant. Um, For how they want to play. For how they want to play. He's a bit more mobile. Neither of them are good rebounders, which is another factor that concerns me if the team is playing small out of their positions. Uh, But I like Jones better defensively. They have different strengths and weaknesses. And then the third factor, and I've seen this play in yours, it came into play for mine, is, is Russell Westbrook starting or not? If Russell Westbrook mm-hmm. is starting, Anthony Davis will be starting. It's going to be real hard to have success with a starting lineup that has two shooters in it, Max. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, if you start, like, let's say Russ, uh, we'll just say for the sake that's Reeves, LeBron, Adian Jones. Reeves hasn't, uh, we believe in him as a three-point shooter. He hasn't really proven that he's a reliable three-point shooter. LeBron is a good three-point shooter, but he's also on ball a lot, so he's taking lower quality threes. Um so you're not going to get much spacing out of that group. So that's troublesome. Even if you have Beverly in for Reeves, again, that's not a, this isn't Buddy Heel. This isn't Malik Monk. We're talking about guys who are, we're hoping can put up good percentages, have decent shot making. They're not knockdown three-point shooters. So starting games with Russ, AD, and Jones together is, is a big pain in the butt from, from my perspective. So the fact that for you, you don't have Russ starting, enables you a bit more to play Jones and not have to worry about that spacing as much. I think for me, a big factor in putting these together was don't have more, less than three shooters on the court, but ideally try to have more, make make sure guys slot into defensive roles that make sense for them. And I also try to pay attention to how many minutes per game guys generally play. So I'm not like, oh yeah, JTA, you're going to play 30 minutes. Um, or Trey Brown Jr., you're going to play 28 minutes. I, I tried to take a look at like, what do they normally play? And like, for, uh, for example, for JTA, it was like 18 to 21 was my range for Trey Brown Jr. 15 to 18. And those were the maxes of the ranges. You could, I put guys below the maxes, but I tried not to go too, too high. So sorry to answer your question. Those are the things on D def- or in general with the centers that I'm looking for in terms of yeah. who might win that battle. 
Yeah, and I think ultimately, I think having a a defensive uh, upgrade there is stronger. And the way I organized my lineup, I I felt it important to try and pair Thomas Bryant with Russell Westbrook minutes, um, kind of at the start of the second quarter and then the end of the third, beginning of the fourth. That was kind of where I built my second unit rotations around. And, um, you know, we've talked about this before with rotations. Lakers kind of have a rhythm where a lot of times Anthony Davis plays the whole first, you know, LeBron will come out halfway through the first and then he'll start the second. Can't imagine it's like going to be much different. So that's kind of general idea. Put LeBron, Russ, uh, and Thomas Bryant around, you know, maybe try and get in transition. You got Lonnie Walker, not great, but you have Kendrick Nunn as well, uh, who is kind of good getting out in transition. Hopefully this unit can run. Um, if Lonnie can make a decent amount of threes, you got LeBron at the four, you have decent spacing here, hopefully. And, you know, in, in theory, this is like, uh, the, the rush show where LeBron doesn't have to manage the ball. He can be out there, but not, you know, in charge and, and draining that energy bar constantly. Um, this is in a, the, the positive rust lineup for me of what you can get something good and, and build from here if he's positive. Um, but yeah, getting into more of it, my closing lineup, I, I went through a couple of these, but the one I landed on, I think the most I like the most is uh, AD at the five LeBron. Um, and then some combination of Beverly Reeves and none in those one through three, you know, taking that Stein tweet uh, a little bit more to heart in terms of what they see for them. And so I put Beverly at the three, but I think depending matchup to matchup, um, you have good versatility there and a reasonable amount of spacing actually for LeBron and AZ. If, if they're going to be the superstars, they can kind of close these games out. Mm-hmm. I'd like to, uh, so a couple things stand out to me looking at this and we can, we can tweet these out so people can see them. Yeah, visually as well. But so I've noticed that you have 100% of Russell Westbrook's minutes come with Thomas Bryant as his mm-hmm. center partner. And I like that from a spacing standpoint. And I like it from a Russ ball screen standpoint because he's been at his best. And we talked about this a year ago when he has a pick and pop partner. And we didn't really get to see that with him last season all that much. So if Bryant's threes are falling, both of those boxes are checked a bit. And, and I think that helps the, the operation of those lineups. Another thing I've noticed is that zero of Russ's minutes come with Anthony Davis on the court. You literally, you have uh, I don't think they fit. sitting for what, 15 minutes in a game. You have been playing 33 out of 48, which I think is, is that's high. what I have as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's a realistic number. Mm-hmm. Russ is playing in every single one of the minutes. 80 is not on the court. So I think that's, to me, that's that's interesting. He overlaps a decent bit with Braun. Let's see, nine of Russ's fifteen. You have Russ playing fifteen minutes. I don't. So, Tom, your lineup is a lineup that we might it's a dream. see. Your, this is a rotation <laughs> we might see like two months into the season when, like, they're going to start with Russ starting probably, and then what they might do is have some of his like Q two, Q three minutes eaten into a little bit. Or we might see, yeah, on both sides, or we might see like, you know, instead of having him, if he's starting, maybe he won't close. Maybe he'll throw Reeves Mm -hmm. in or Beverly in or whoever. Um, Because I really like that Reeves-Beverly duo alongside LeBron. Um, 
It's like KCP I, and Caruso. That's yeah, what it reminded me of. That's the theory. I mean, they're not as good as shooting yet, but. Yeah, no, I, I see what you're going for with that. And I like how you were able to, I mean, every single one of Reeves' minutes come with Beverly alongside him. Beverly plays oh, three yeah. minutes without Reeves, but you've got that duo together a lot, which I like, but then I also wish I could like separate them because it's also I good know. to have one of them on the court at all times. So that's true. That's the, the you know, that's a good point. you were saying we both just play a, a bunch, which isn't realistic. But um, so I, I think another thing we might see with Russ is as the season moves on, maybe he starts, but he doesn't play like starter caliber minutes. And, mm-hmm. and so he's able to like have that pride of being a starter, but he ends up being behind Reeves and none and maybe even Schroeder in minutes per game. Um, so that, that to me stood out. I think Beverly, you have him at 30 minutes here. That might be a little high. Yeah. He played him. 25 last year uh, and 22 the year before, but so I would say 27, 25 to 27. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And then another thing that stood out to me is, so like you don't have Trey Brown Jr. in your rotation. I mm-hmm. didn't for mine either. And this is based off of just like hearing murmurs of maybe he's on the outside looking in at this point, which can certainly change in camp. Um, he has a lot going for him as we as we covered earlier, but you worked under that assumption. I do think you could probably squeeze a couple more minutes out of JTA, maybe as yep. like uh, to to take away some of like the Lonnie Walker small forward minutes or maybe some of the um, Pat Beverly, man, that closing group. I like that closing group offensively. Defensively, I worry about it a little yeah. bit. So that's, I, I don't know. How do you, so I, I get what you're going for. A lot of what I see here like makes sense and I see the pros, I see the cons. Ultimately, like, do you think this is a a good rotation? Not no. like, did you a good job? But like, <laughs> obviously no. under the constraints we're working with, if they, no. they ran this out there, are they winning games? No, I mean, I think there's a tiny bit of uh, like guard versatility, like we've talked about, at least offense to defense. Mm-hmm. But as far as the front court and the wings, it's really restrictive. And I agree. I actually, my other main closing lineup was actually JTA instead of none, which oh, I can definitely see. Okay. Um, uh, AD, JTA, LeBron, uh Reeves Bev. Uh pretty solid defensively, I think. One through five. Definitely gonna have some spacing issues out there. Um with, you know, not not like established shooting outside of LeBron. Just like mm-hmm. decent spot up role player shooting. Um but I do like JTA and I think he uh can be a glue piece for a lot of lineups. And it's it's unclear where they'll need him most, I guess. Uh, whether that be like kind of supporting a a weirdly pieced together second unit or in these like filler closing lineup, like, st- you know, starter units. Yeah. Yeah. JTA has been a guy too, that I think has been a bit in a, a bit of an enigma for fans. If you're not watching him on a regular basis, cause he's li- like, he's listed as all kinds of different positions. He's one of the, well, he was the most versatile NBA player last season, not in terms of like, uh, capability perhaps or, or effectiveness, but in terms of guarding point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward center, his balance was almost like 20% for each of those five. But every season yeah. of his career so far, he's primarily been a power forward defender. So that's at least the starting point. He's a power forward defender that you're willing to switch one through five with. Um, so hopefully that that provides a little bit of context for people. I Something I wished, man, I, a lot of the signings the Lakers made with this team, JTA, very versatile. 
Um, Lonnie Walker was used very versatile last year. Um, one of the most versatile guards. Uh, Wenyan Gabriel's fairly versatile. Damian Jones, one of the most versatile centers in the NBA in terms of how he was used last season. They have some guys who fit that, but then you've got Kendrick Dunn, who's tiny, Pat Beverly, who's tiny, Dennis Schroeder, who's tiny. So it's just, it doesn't make sense. You don't have one coherent kind of strategy there. Uh, I screwed around. We don't, we won't talk about this on here, but I'll post it later sometime. Uh, I tried to make a 48 minutes of like the switchiest lineups I could come up with. It was not a good rotation, but it was a very switchy one. Um, And so that was fun. But so I don't know. I, I like yours. Do you want to get to my first one? Definitely. Um, yeah, nothing else. Like I agree with that's a good note about Lonnie Walker. I want to give him less minutes, give JTA more. But uh, Pat Bev and Austin Reeves, that's my takeaway. I think that okay. should be a unit that that can bring them some good closing minutes. But yeah, hit us with some of yours. dude. I know you made uh, multiple of these. Yeah. So if you look at the spreadsheet, I'm in uh, Tim WIP4, Tim Work in Progress, Work in Progress 4. And I took a very different route than you when it came to Beverly and Reeves because while you had them together as a duo, pretty much every minute they played, I actually staggered them so that I have one of them on court at all times. And I did that so that I could have solid point of attack defense or there were, or, you know, there were times where I had Reeves as a wing stopper, but I liked having some spacing and shooting. I'm sorry, spacing and defense is like a baseline with with every minute of my 48. Uh, I have, uh, let's see. So I'm starting with, I'm going to, this is a, a lineup where I'm making a couple assumptions. I'm assuming the Lakers will start Russ. So I have Russ starting. I have him playing 30 minutes, which I think is probably around what he'll start the year playing. And I. this is looking at this rotation map. Imagine that those Q2, Q3 minutes getting eaten into potentially as the season progresses. Maybe he loses the closing minutes. Um, but I think this is a starting point that might make some sense. With him starting, I have Beverly next to him, but Beverly and Reeves playing. Actually, I have Reeves playing a couple more minutes than Beverly. Uh, I have LeBron and AD starting, and I started with Thomas Bryant because I have Russell Westbrook starting. And you'll notice I tried to pair Bryant with Russ a lot. Uh, I have either LeBron or AD on the court. Uh, yeah, I have one of them on the court every minute of the, the rotation. And I, this would be in a world where Darvin Ham is fully, I guess, enabled to make coaching decisions. I don't have Lonnie Walker in this rotation. I instead have Dennis Schroeder playing 18 minutes. Austin Reeves playing 27, Beverly playing 24, Nunn playing 18, Westbrook playing 30. And I see Nunn and Schroeder being able to eat into Russ's minutes, potentially as the season goes on. Um, LeBron playing 33, AD playing 33. And then I have JTA playing 18, and then Jones playing 18, and Bryant playing 21. Um, I close with Russ, Reeves, Braun, Davis, uh, Anthony Davis, and Thomas Bryant. I don't love it. I actually, I think I like your closing group. See, I don't know. I think your closing group's a little bit too small. But I I think I'd rather, I, I can see, I'm thinking Beverly, Reeves, Braun, AD, Thomas Bryant. So I have the mm. size mm-hmm. and the point of attack defense, but I also have the spacing for offense. I think, I, assuming Bryant's hitting his threes, I think that that could be a group that makes sense. I just, I don't want to go too small. Um, 
which I think is what you're going to get if if LeBron's playing four and AD's playing the five. Most of uh, AD's minutes in this rotation are at the power forward position. Uh, LeBron is primarily a three with some four minutes. GTA, when he plays, he's a four. Reeves, I have split pretty evenly 50-50 between the two and the three. Uh, Beverly, I give six minutes at small forward, uh, but that's it. So this was... I don't know. What, what do you think about this? I'm not playing Lonnie. I'm not playing Trey Brown. I think if you were to play Brown, you can, I, I mean, I can easily run the same rotation and give Schroeder Brown's minutes and shuffle some guys around. Um, mm-hmm. But I think this could be a somewhat realistic starting point that you, you never have fewer than three shooters on the court. Most of your defensive lineups should be good. And you've got LeBron or AD out there at all times. And I think you'll get Russ you know, enabled to be Russ for a good bit of the game, except for maybe with like the closing unit and perhaps even the starting unit. Hopefully. Um, I mean, it's, it's something you almost have to like go out of your way to, and this is exactly who he's been as a player over the last few years out of your way to make a lineup that makes sense around Russell Westbrook. Mm. You know, it is like, this is what we're going to do, not because we want to, but because we have to. Yeah. Um, the the versatility there is very limited. And especially considering what he doesn't do on defense, you mm-hmm. know, the kind of position and then the pieces the Lakers have, like Austin Reeves has to play next to him because of what he can do on both sides of the court. And it's, you know, Patrick Beverly is too small, in my opinion, and not like a gravity shooter. Um, at least I don't know. I don't think. Yeah. It, and so anyway, that's, that's where it's struggles. It's a struggle for me to see how like a Beverly Westbrook, none, um, close to the first half doesn't go like minus seven in those last like four minutes. <sighs> yeah. That, this is going to get outscored. Yeah. This is one where I, I think if it were me going more with what I'd like to do rather than. Mm-hmm. What I'm th- thinking is more of a compromise of what the Lakers might be thinking, at least right now. And again, they've got camp to go through. I'd give minutes to Trey Brown Jr. I wouldn't have Beverly playing small forward at all. Uh, and that that is the way I would operate. As it is right now, I have either Russ or Schroeder in for every minute of the game as my primary ball handler. I have either Beverly or Reeves in the game every minute for some three and some D. Um, I have Kendrick Nunn playing only 18 minutes. I think he can play more than that playing the two and then when he's in and either Reeves or Beverly's in they slot to the three but I'd rather have I don't know it's 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 a tricky one I think ideally I'd see minutes going away from Russ more to none and in a way where I don't need Beverly or Reeves playing the three as much because I also have Troy Brown Jr. in there and I think that gets me to more of a, a rotation that I'm pleased with but I think this could be a group that's at least okay to start the season but I definitely see there that there are issues with it. It's hard. This is hard, man. It's not a you problem, Tim. This is the yeah. Lakers problem. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's it's been very difficult. Uh, so, and then I was thinking about. So I made a bunch of rotations. I'm not going to walk through all of these, but what I was like, all right, this is my starting point. If I were to say, all right, well, what if the Lakers went small? How would that look different? If if you're going small, why are you going small? It's because of spacing. And in order to improve the spacing, we'll just go with the assumption that Bryant's hitting his threes and Jones isn't. You're taking Jones's minutes away. You're having Bryant and AD as your centers. 
and then you have LeBron and JTA as your fours, and then you're seeing more minutes. What like Reeves is a full time small forward in this situation with LeBron playing some three, um, but he's your three, and then you're pretty small in in your backcourt and and at that three position because of this. But defensively, I think this ends up being worse because you're just smaller. Offensively, you do have more spacing, but is the jump in spacing enough to make it worth the lack of rim protection? And to me, I I don't know. I I really I don't know that it it is enough. So this to me isn't a substantial increase the way I would hope it would be in order to run it. So I don't know that that's the answer. Then I tried another rotation where I, I think between my first one that I walked through, we we slowly see Russ start losing minutes over the course of the season. Q two Q three closing minutes. If you get to the point where you need to bring him off the bench, um, I, I like that doesn't look all that different for the other guys. I think you just try to align him with Bryant. Um, but then I think you might get to the point where you say, all right, well, we need to send Russ home. And if you send Russ home, I, I built a rotation for that. Let me find the right tab in the thing. I think it might be number two. Yeah, Tim, work in progress too. For this one, I have you have to play Trey Brown Jr. And unless you really want to have Schroeder plus Beverly plus Reeves plus non like all around 30 minutes and often playing three of them at the same time. I don't I don't want that. So I've got Trey Brown Jr. in there. Russ is out of the rotation. With Russ out of the rotation, the defense is better. Flat out. The defense will be better. The spacing will be better. Um, your playmaking will be worse, but LeBron plays a bunch of minutes. And I think between Schroeder, Reeves, Beverly, and Nunn. You have enough primary creation and secondary creation that with like assuming the competent offensive scheme, I'm not super concerned about the lack of playmaking. It could be a problem. I'm not not enough that I'm like, oh, no, I can't do this because of that. And I think adding Schroeder in gives me that bat. And I like we were talking about earlier to really, you know, make me feel good about making this move. So taking Russ out, my defense looks better. My spacing looks better. Uh, this group has the best projected spacing and defense of any rotation I've put together. And as long as Dennis Schroeder looks like he did as a Laker and not like he did last season in roles that didn't match his skill set, um, which was part but not all of his problem, he, he just flat out didn't play well. If he plays like his old self, I think this might be, with the group as currently assembled, our best chance to see the Lakers be like the best they can be. Um I'm still kind of within reasonable minute limits with every single player on here. Nobody's going more than than they are used to other than Reeves playing 27 instead of 24 minutes. So very, very normal minute numbers for everybody. Uh, I have none intruder kind of staggered. I have Beverly and Reeves again playing just about every minute of the game one or the other. I then have Trey Brown Jr. and LeBron as my threes. Uh, JTA and AD as my fours, and then the two centers as my centers. And I I like this group. I don't know that it's a I don't think it's a title contender, but I think this is the Lakers' best chance to be a frisky basketball team this year and, and be able to knock some teams off. It's about as good as it gets. Um, but not mention Lonnie Walker. Um, no minutes in this rotation, which not saying I disagree, uh, especially if Trey Brown can kind of, you know find a little bit of a jump shot but it's it's just he a lot's gonna have to happen for him to not get any minutes i don't what is he so if you were to make Clutch. the pitch uh, okay 
clutch. Where who in the past has gotten more minutes than they should have? Because of that. In LA? In LA. Because of the clutch connection? Yeah. Because KCP was clutch, but he was good. Uh LeBron AD, they should be playing a bunch. THT was clutch last year, and I wouldn't say that he played too much more than he should have. Okay, but it's a concern, I mean, but it's not I don't necessarily think that there is a history of I, I don't think you they're know, mutually exclusive. I'm not worried enough about it that I think it it's gonna I, I don't think they're gonna be able to like pull the strings on Darvin Ham and get him to run lineups he doesn't want to run because of it. I'm I'm not saying I guess like even if he's bad it's it's a hard pill to swallow that not every team is willing to to bench their guys like that. Well, think about it this way. He he's a minimum contract player. Do are we as clutch representing who we represent? Are we looking more to make the most out of a minimum contract player or do we want LeBron and AD to be able to have their best shot at being on the best team they could be on. I think because right, that team has more than not, one, this is an AD on one contract. Oh, right. He's on the MLA. Yeah. It, this isn't a day one rotation, but I think this is the Lakers best shot at being a good team. I'll I agree with that. that. I think this might be a game 30. The Lakers are, they do not have a good record. Russ is not taking playing off the bench well at all. And they say, that's fine. Go home. We don't have a trade available. This is what we're going to roll with. And, you know, this this might be a team that, you know, 30 games into the season turns thing around. It might be a, a group that with 10 games left in the season looks real good. And then it's just too late for it to mean anything. And I'm just hoping they get to something like this sooner rather than later. Because I, I, this is a good group, man. This is a good team. And I don't know if you're talking basketball. I don't know why I would play Lonnie Walker over some of these other guys. He takes so much away from me on the defensive <laughs> end of the court. And what he's good at offensively doesn't fit what we need. Like he's he's THT offensively from a from a style standpoint. We want the ball in his hands. He'll get some at the rim. He's got a better mid-range game than THT. But he's nowhere close to Malik Monk as a offensive player in terms of fit, on-ball, off-ball scoring, what he likes to do. He's an on-ball, you know, creating the mid-range kind of guy. And that's just not – that's not what I'm looking for, for what he's going to need to do. I need someone who can, like, be a 3 and D guy. And Troy Brown Jr. is a much closer fit to that, even if he's, like, not fantastic at either of those. So that that would be – like, on, maybe and maybe, hey, maybe he pops off. But it would be – it would take him playing much better than he's played in the past. Um, and the, the type of jump work we would need to see from him wouldn't be similar to Malik Monk. Malik Monk took a jump because he went from bad shot quality to good shot quality. Lonnie Walker already had the same level of shot quality that Malik Monk did last year for the Lakers. And Malik Monk was a very good off-ball scorer and a good on-ball self-creator. And Lonnie Walker's a good on-ball self-creator and a horrible off-ball scorer. So they, it's just... I, I guess I'm I'm not really arguing with you. I'm I'm arguing with with uh, my Twitter mentions here a little bit, but I I can't make a basketball argument to put Lonnie Walker in this rotation if I'm trying to make the Lakers win the most games possible and they're healthy. I think he's gonna play. I think early in the season he's probably gonna play, and I think there will be games he looks pretty good. But at the end of the day, 
if you're trying to make the most of this team and it's a healthy team, I don't think that he's in your 10 man or 11 man. Uh, that's, that'll be an interesting, uh, subplot to watch for this season. Uh, watching how Lonnie Walker is used, how he does and where his minutes end up going. But there's a lot of stuff that could go. This is one of the hardest things we've ever, I've ever had to put together for lineup rotation based on the years past that we've done this before. Uh, this is really tough. There's a lot of uncertainty. It's a imbalanced kind of imperfect team, but uh, using, I think, good scheme um, and good, you know, lineups. I think there is a decent team in here. I don't know about a championship contender, but, you know, we can squeeze uh, squeeze all of that juice. Yeah, and it's a you're, – you're kind of walking this tightrope to be a very good team too because Austin Reeves, if his three-point shot isn't there, that changes how I look at this. If Thomas Bryant is the caliber of three-point shooter that, like, the Darko numbers project him to be as a three-point shooter – and he's shooting like 27% on threes, then that changes the way I look at things. Um, if Dennis Schroeder and Russell Westbrook play like they did last year and not the way they did two, three, four, five years ago, you're in a worse situation. If Lonnie Walker doesn't take any kind of jump, you're in, you're in trouble. Although I, I'm kind of already anticipating that. Um, if Troy Brown Jr. isn't good enough to stay on the court or if – Pat Beverly is getting older and, and, you know, takes a step back the way that we saw some older guys on last year's team take a step back. You're in a worse position. If if AD or LeBron aren't fully healthy or mostly healthy for the season, this team's not going anywhere. So there are so many almost assumptions that there are things that need to happen for this team to to even be like a good team. This is there's a I think to me like a zero percent chance this is a top four seed in the West. There is and, you know. I don't have a number for it, but I can see this team being like a six seed, but they need to figure out a lot of things really quickly. And even then they have some, some fundamental issues, but that would be a like fully healthy team. We've sent Russ home. We're running out these good lineups. The scheme looks good. And even then I think you're kind of maxing out at a non-play in or like, you know, just barely in the play on the high end. Um, and I can easily see this team being a play in team, as like a, a nine or 10 seed as well. So it's a lot of pieces need to fall into place for this team to be good. And maybe, maybe we should take one of these upcoming pods, like listing what those biggest, you know, swing situations might be because this, this season can go a lot of different ways. I hated it. Not fun. <laughs> it's not fun. Hey, if you're listening at home and you're like, Oh, these guys did a terrible job. Go do it. It's free. Try it. I created it. it. I'm going to tweet it out. Go, go, you know, make me a rotation and send it to me. Cause I'll, you know, Tom, every couple times a year, I'll send out, you know, I'll tweet out the picture and I'll have people going nuts in my mentions. Oh, this guy's not playing enough. This guy's playing too much. I don't like this. You know, you didn't do a good job with this. And I said, okay, do it yourself. (laughs) And, you know, and 10% of the time they actually do. And, and it's not good. And, you know, another 20% of the time, they're like, oh, you know what? You, I get it now. <laughs> and the other 50% of people yeah. or whatever percentage I have left just like never respond because it's it's hard. So try to do it yourself before shit talking what we're going to send out. Um, As always. Yeah. Wise words to live by. Yeah. Um, 
I think that's going to do it for us today. Uh, you can, as always, screenshot us a five-star review in your podcast player of choice. Send it our way, and you will get the link to the Discord, where there's a bunch of great other content going on. Discussion, sources say. Uh, become a member, Tim. Get exclusive uh, pods straight into your ear holes. Yeah, we've got all kinds of good stuff. Uh, we've been having good discussion in there. Um you know, we're getting closer and closer to the basketball and, and things are ramping up and it's a great place to stay up to date with what the news is. Here's some instant analysis. We're planning on having a lot more uh, this upcoming season when it comes to like doing live games on playback and, and, you know, we'll have more out on that in the future, but we'll have like during the game fun content, lots of great stuff happening in the discord. If you sign up for those various levels, you can, you can get to join different tiers. For example, the, I think it's the courtside tier you get to go in the X's and O's courses. Our most recent one we went through and I, I shared, here's the process that I recommend someone take if they're looking to build a playbook. Here are the things to consider. Here are the different routes you might be able to go. And we listed out like for two fake teams with random fake rosters, you know, if your team's built like this or if your team's built like that, how are we choosing our alignments? What kinds of sets are we picking? What's How are we running our offense? How are we running our defense? And, you know, actually went through that work and, and listed that out to help people if they're a coach or needing to pick a, you know, a 2K playbook or whatever, like walk you through that process. And on the next one, we're actually going to take one of those fake teams and then go draw up the individual plays and like build an actual playbook. And then people have the PDF for that. So like we will go start to finish through the process of, of building a real playbook for a fake team. Um, hey, maybe a real team. Maybe we say we're going to do the Lakers and this is what it looks like. So check that out. Um, want to shout out the people in those various tiers. Thanks to friend of the pod, uh, TJ Timotaji for generously supporting us as an arena sponsor, as well as Zach Harris, QDaddyO, iPod Shuffle, Romario Chamber, Miguel, T. Shuttleworth, Omar, Eric, Roy, and Doppel for living the high life with us in the owner's box. We've had a lot of great conversation. Uh, need to get some more bonus pods up with more thoughts that maybe are too, too hot for the public podcast, but, uh, Get in on that, go create a rotation map, and uh, have some fun with us in the Discord. just want to say, Tim, my fake team would totally destroy your fake team. Okay. <laughs> Bring it, Tom. Bring it. You want to bet? Oh, yeah. Uh, what happened the last time we played a game with fake teams? Do you, do you remember that? I don't know. I don't know. You probably lost. <laughs> I, I beat, well, we played 2K together. Remember that one time in Vegas? That was not the last time we played fake teams. Okay. If, if talking like actual video games, yes, but yeah. I, we we play fake games all the time, Tim. That's fair. Yeah. We this is a whole podcast <laughs> of, of fake things in our heads that we we are silliness about. that we've done. Yeah. Uh, how did people enjoy your song? Did you get a lot of uh, positive reinforcement? So I did get. Uh, how do we tell them to grade it? Uh, well, I forget what the scale was. Um, do you remember? I don't, what, remember I, I, I don't remember what it was. <laughs> I remember people responded in that scale, but I don't remember what the scale was. Uh, shoot, let me find it. Um, oh, the the two K ratings. Yes, of course. So no I one had, added me with them, so I didn't see. Okay, it was there were a lot of people in the Discord saying stuff, not as much on Twitter. Um, <laughs> an eighty-two overall, which like I'll take that. I, I think it could be a lot worse it's than a that. A little generous. That might be a little but, generous. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it could have been worse. I haven't seen anyone like repost it in response to anything that I've done. So I, you know, I, I've opened myself up to that potential uh, outcome if someone disagrees with me and then they, 
you know, or if I tweet about, you know, run a split cut and then someone like posts a video of me singing about it. Like, I don't want that. Probably shouldn't even be saying this right now, but, uh, uh I, I think I, I can, I, I still have pride. I don't, I don't think it was good, but it wasn't bad from my perspective, at least. No, it was fun. You did a good job, uh, kind of narrating your, you know, it's like listening to the song and then also getting like a behind the scenes director's commentary on the process <laughs> of making the song at the same time. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, I rapped cut with cut. What was it? <laughs> yeah, that was the one. I, I think of the whole thing, I like the writing that I did for the lyrics, except for I think the very first thing I rhyme is cut with cut. And I talk about like <laughs> stepping on Legos. It was like the, fir- like the first or second line of it. So other than that, yeah. I think it's pretty solid, but no one is going to No, it was so fun. Go listen to the la- end of the last episode if you have it to hear Tim pay off our coach draft bet. But we've gone too long. Thank you guys for listening. We will talk to you all next time.